Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. People be like, man, it's not real. And I believe that one thing that Satan does is you can't change the fact that God is real. The church is a powerful uh, living body of believers. We were the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. It's powerful. What he can do, Satan is a master counterfeit. So I can make a bunch of counterfeit bodies that are not really bodies of believers. And, but they got parts of it. They got songs, and they got this, and they got that. But it's not really what Jesus had. The members of the church are a work in progress. We're actively being perfected by the refinement of the Holy Spirit. But we have a long way to go. Sadly, many lost people come into the church or observe it from outside. They've got a knack for spotting any hint of hypocrisy. As Pastor Bill will warn in today's message, we can't expect absolute perfection of any human. At the same time, within the church, we need to hold each other accountable and be transparent about our own weaknesses. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We're, we're going to protect the body. You're, you're, a, you're a threat to the body at this point. So we're going to protect them. But if you want to get right, I'll meet with you one-on-one. And at whatever point a pastor says, we welcome you back, you welcome back. So if you're open to a, a process of counseling and restoration, we make that available to you. But you may not come to any of our any services at any time here on the campus. We'll arrest you and beat you. You know, so don't come back. So we find out two weeks later. Now, this this young man was very gifted. He could teach. Uh, he could play worship, had lots of gifts and, and talents and abilities. His heart just wasn't right. So he went to a church right down the street. And I found out two weeks later, they had him teaching the youth and doing worship. So I do what you're supposed to do. I called the pastor and said, hey, bro, um, I'm sure you didn't know. So I'm going to give you a do you. I'm going to let you know why we kicked him out. He's been excommunicated from here for these reasons right here. So. Yeah, you want to, you know, reevaluate what you're doing with him over there. And the pastor, hey, thank you very much, and didn't, didn't take heed. So within a couple of weeks, this guy, had, had, he had done the same thing there, so he ended up in a relationship with someone over there that was sexual. Then he got into some other altercation in the street, and the police chased him. They chased him. He, he, he actually drove his car. He ran from the police, ran to the church, had keys to the church, went into the church. The police came into the church after him, and he got shot by the police in the church. That was all over the news, and I wanted to call that pastor back and say, I told you so. <laughs> I told you. But he didn't listen, you know. But I, I was looking at that thing. That could have been our church, you know. I mean, he was a danger in more ways than we even knew. And um, and so when we, when we look at this sort of thing here, it's not my church. Whose church is this? He purchased with his blood. So God puts shepherds and, and elders and pastors to oversee it and look after it. And that's what we're supposed to do. And so the men that are here, myself and Clint and Gabe, that are their elders, we're, we're looking out for the benefit of everybody here. And if we see something that's not right, um, you know, in love, but, but whatever it takes is going to be dealt with. You know, so there is a time when it's, it would be correct to say you can't come back. It, you know, just it's not safe. For the body of believers here for you to be here. Verse four. Now, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Notice this 
that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, there's a certain covering um, just in, in being a part of a local assembly of believers. Um, Paul says there's a point at which someone will not repent, won't change, won't heed counsel. In particular, here, this young man that's sleeping is ongoing a sexual relationship with his stepmother, unwilling to repent. And we're going to turn you over. Right? We're going to put you out out of the covering of the church. Deliver such a one to Satan. We're going to turn you over and the enemy is going to have his way with you. And the goal of the, the goal of even putting them out is that after Satan had want them up, since that's what they want, that their soul would be saved, that they would be that they would they would they would finally get it together. Sometimes letting people linger in the fellowship does this to people. It makes people that are living in sin feel like I'm OK because they accept me and I, I go there and I'm part of this and I do that. And so I must be OK, but they're not OK. And it's an amazing thing when you remove somebody. It's like, I can't come because of that. And I was a part of this once um, as, a, as a young adult ministry. There was a young man there. I went and taught. I wasn't the pastor of the young adults, but I went and taught. And there was a man there. Super, super, super effeminate. It was undeniable that he was gay. Every it wasn't even that was not a judgment. It couldn't have been false. I mean, everything he did said I'm gay and I want people to kind of catch up on it. And so I'm not making fun. That's just what it was. So I hung out with them afterwards and I was like just observing like, OK, you know, I understand if someone's not saved, someone not saved walking here. Just so y'all know, someone walk into these doors in whatever spiritual condition they could be gay. They could be sleeping with their girlfriend and boyfriend. They could be they could just finish smoking a, a sack before they walked in. Someone walk in here, not say, please let them be. Let them be. We want to we want to reach them with the gospel. That's that's different. Uh, I don't care what condition God takes us. You come to God and whatever you bring all your junk with you. He can do, do the cleanup work afterwards after you come to him. This is different when someone says, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I, I, Jesus is Lord. Of, Jesus, Lord of your life. <laughs> he's the Lord. I mean, you, you do what he says do um, because I'm looking at you do some things that he say don't do. You know, so so with this individual, I was like, OK, is he saved? So I talked to him. I said, hey, bro, how long you been here? Uh, he had been there, you know, several months. OK, I said, when did you give your life to the Lord, man? Um, so he gave his life to the Lord at, you know, some earlier time in his life and that he had recently recommitted his life maybe six months ago. OK, so you walk with the Lord for six months or whatever. OK, I said, got a girlfriend. So you with all the girls, you got a girlfriend, you know, and it was because I he hung out with all the, the sisters, you know, um, which which is typical sometimes, you know, it's like um, and no, there wasn't a girlfriend. So I just asked him, I said, bro, I said, don't 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 be offended. You know, I hope I don't offend you. I said, but just checking out your mannerisms and all these things. Are you gay? Are you, is that a struggle or is that a something you're giving over to? I'm, I'm curious. And he like paused and he was like, well, you know. Um, I have been in the past, you know, in relationships right now. I'm not in a current relationship. So he's not in a committed gay relationship, but he's not he's not saying he's not gay. So I'm like, so is that are you looking for somebody here? Are you hanging out until you find somebody? I mean, is, is that is that the lifestyle you continue to practice? You, you plan to continue to go that way? Comes out that there was someone there that he had his eye on. That was in our that was in the worship team that that he he had. A, he thought the guy was. You know, and that, that guy was not even, you know, didn't even get down like that. So, I, you know, but he was hanging out and just like he was really liking worship and really sitting up close. And and that was what it came down to. So I remember talking to him and I had to talk to the leaders and say, you know, because you guys, he goes out with you guys afterwards. And y'all know he's living. This is his lifestyle. And we're going to see in this chapter, Paul says, hey, someone named a brother living like this that you, you want to separate for not not to put them, not to hurt them. 
that, that he wouldn't be falsely under the impression that he's in fellowship with God. Right. You guys are giving him a false sense of security. That's not legitimate. He's not right with God. He's not OK. Um, he has not repented. Um, he's still in this mode. And as hard as it might be and as unloving as it might feel, it's Bible. It's what God says. Do they broke fellowship with him, told him he couldn't come to the fellowships, couldn't hang out. He went and it was it was so cool. He went from bitter. Then it was like the fact that he couldn't come disturbed him so much that he sought counsel. He went to meet with the pastor and he went through, he meet counsel. He, 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 he explained kind of his background, all that happened. And he wanted to repent. Like God began to do a work in the separation. And I mean, to me, that was an amazing thing. And I thought, wow, that was so much better. The outcome of that, though it was harder for everybody to do it, the outcome for him was so much better. It was so much better that it made him have to say like, wait, I can't go there. I can't, I can't even go to church now. And it made him have to sit back and look at like what I'm doing and what's wrong. And it led him down a path where he got help and he got better. So our world and even some churches, that's so unloving. You know, that's so mean. That's so that's not Jesus was loving. People think that Jesus was just, you know, just goobly, goobly, goobly. You know, <laughs> they did not read your Bible. There's some stuff that Jesus wasn't having when he went to the temple and they was in there, you know, making merchandise of the people. He made a he, he sat there and braided up a cord and made a whip. And went in there, flipped tables and whipped people and said, get out of here. Now, you made my father's house a den of thieves. Get out. And I mean, he, that's a, he, that was some grown man stuff. Flipping tables, whipping people. That's loving Jesus saying, y'all messing up. Y'all messing up the program. So there are people that want to sell us this version of Jesus. Like he just put up with whatever. and He just was so kind. And I'm not saying he wasn't loving and kind, but I'm saying you can be loving and kind and have a standard. Of holiness, and Jesus had that. So that's the Jesus that we're worshiping today. He haven't changed the same yesterday, day, and forever. He's still loving and kind and merciful and gracious, but he still have a standard of holiness. And those that represent him must represent his standard, um, not what's become popular in our culture, not what people are more comfortable with, but what he has said. Amen. And so moving on, it says, "So Paul said, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh." That his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Verse six, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And so Paul points back to a picture. And if you guys have went through Leviticus, Exodus and Leviticus with us, you know, uh, a little bit of leaven in the Passover. Um, the Passover loaf was to be uh, leaven represented what? Sin. And if you put just a little bit of leaven in a loaf, uh, it permeate the whole loaf. Uh, it, it calls it, 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 it's, it's a, it actually calls it, it causes it to rot. And so the bread rises. So when you have unleavened bread, it's flat. Don't rise. It's like, uh, what happened to that? It didn't go puffy. You know, it's unleavened. And so a little bit of leaven, it just takes a little bit and it, it, it permeates the entire loaf. And so he's saying here, look, the, the, you got a little bit, this, 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 what you're allowing here, you're glorying about this thing. It's not good. He says, do you not know that a little leaven will leaven the whole loaf? When you let a little bit of sin just remain undealt with, it's going to permeate the whole loaf. He's speaking about the church. When we leave things undealt with here in the church, he says, you know, it's going to begin to permeate. And that's how come you can go into some churches and there'll be certain things that permeate the church. Like, wow, this is commonplace here. Um, maybe some of you guys, I've been to places where certain sins were commonplace. I've been to churches where there was a whole culture of people in that church that smoked weed together in the church. I was at a church where there were people that were part of the church that had, it was just, everybody had a double life. They had Sunday life. 
Then they had weeknight life. And I'll never forget, I was witnessing to my sister who wasn't saved yet. So my sister was at a club on Saturday night because she wasn't saved. No problem. But I said, come with me Sunday morning. And she said, I'll go with you. And she got to church with me Sunday morning. And and that this old Baptist church, all the ministers have to sit up here, even if you're not preaching. And she was like, hey, one of them reverends was at the club last night. I'm like, no. She was like, no, I'm serious. And not only was he there, she knew, she knew because he had on the same shoes that he had on at the club. He had got her friend's number and he was there drinking. And she's there like, he got a wife and kids and he's a reverend. And she was like, she lost. She was like, I'm, I'm good on your church. I was so mad. I was so mad that, that I'm, I'm trying to witness to her. And she's like, no, that, that reverend right there. He was at the club getting down, you know. Hollering at ladies and everything else. And I said, man, you know, that's what happens, though. We lose our impact. People be like, man, it's not real. And I believe that one thing that Satan does is he can't change the fact that God is real. The church is a powerful uh, living body of believers. I mean, we're the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. It's powerful. What he can do, Satan is a master counterfeit. So I can make a bunch of counterfeit bodies that are not really bodies of believers. And but they got parts of it. They got songs and they got this and they got that. But it's not really what Jesus had. It, I, I have enough of that to turn people off uh, of, of that. People are just looking at me like it's not real. It's only about this or it's only about that. We have to be so careful that we don't become a part of that, um, because I know Jesus is real. I know that he's coming back for real. I know that he's holy for real. I know that he loves people for real. I know that he can save lives and transform people from the inside out for real. Uh, I know that God will take people from wherever they come from. I mean, it doesn't matter where you start at. God can take you from there and begin to work inside. He, he, he works from the inside out, so it's real. It's not an outside thing. It's not we don't put it on from the outside. It's not a pretend, pharisaical, fake thing. God will take a person that comes to him in sincerity, and God will work from the inside out. To begin to change your desires. He'll work in your heart. He'll give you strength to stop doing the things you like. I thought I could never get over that. God help you. I thought I could never get beyond this thing. He'll help you. He's able to do that. And, and, and so we'll miss out on the real messing around with that fake stuff out there. So I don't want to be a part of nothing fake. I don't want to create nothing fake. I don't want to encourage people to be fake. When what God is offering in reality is so powerful. That that's what we want. That's what we want to minister. That's what we want to teach people. So Look now at verse, so verse six, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Verse seven, he says, therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. So he gets a command here. He says, you need to purge out the old leaven. So anybody with a healthy body physically, if you get some toxins in your body, your body will purge itself. If you eat something real bad, your body is going to be throwing up or, or other, other ways your body will purge itself. We understand what purging is. The body saying, get out. It's, it's not good. This is poison for y'all that used to overdrink back in the day, I hope. <laughs> I hope. So for anybody who used to overdrink back in the day, you overdrink too much and your body is, is you start throwing up. Your body saying this is it's unhealthy. It's just, it's, I'm, we're going to die. So we're going to get all that out so you can live. And it's toxins being removed from your body. So the body of Christ, in order for it to remain healthy, the body's got to be able to purge toxins that come into it. Your physical body, if you get sick and your immune system is not working and it can't purge out things, that's like, like the AIDS, uh, you know, uh, immune deficiency syndrome. Your body can no longer fight off its infections. That's how then infections take over and you die. 
Um, when someone finds they find cancer, they try to hurry up and cut it out and radiate it and do whatever they can to isolate it and get rid of it because if not, it'll permeate your whole body and you'll die. And so sin like that, if your body can't purge it out, then it's going to permeate the whole thing and kill it. So, so to sin in the church, right? If it begins to permeate the whole church, then it's just going to be a dead church after a while. It won't be living. It won't be powerful. God won't be present. It'll just be dead. And so um, he says that Christ is our Passover. He reminds us that he was sacrificed for us. Right. Why do we pursue holiness? Why do we want their things to be right? Because because of what Jesus did for us. Verse eight. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so. Again, Paul's still playing on this analogy of the Passover. They had the Passover meal. They had the Passover bread. They had to be unleavened. Um, it was sanctified. It was, you know, Christ is our Passover. He was sacrificed for us. And he said, look, let's not keep this feast, right, with old leaven. Let's get this out of here. And so for anybody here today that's, that you got some old leaven, you got some sin, you got some things, maybe it's been there a long time, right? God brought you here today to help you, Right. Uh, whenever I go in, I'm, and I'm going to go in on some of these sins, I want to just say it up front. I never do it. Uh, it's, it's, there's no goal. There's no joy in making anybody feel bad. But the goal would be truth that would bring us to conviction, would cause us to repent, that, that God would be pleased. That's the goal. That's always the goal. No one feels good about revealing or pointing out someone else's sin. Um, that's never, that's, what's, there's, no, there's no victory or joy in that. The goal would be, though, if God could put a finger on the issues that are hindering you from being all that he wants you to be, hindering you from maybe even making it to heaven, hindering you from being right to him. God can put a finger on that, bring conviction about that so that you repent about that. You'll be so thankful for the rest of your life that he did that, that you were convicted about that. And I'll just say this real quick. When I when I first gave my life to Christ and maybe you guys have heard my testimony, but this this piece of it, I've always been thankful for. Obviously, the person that prayed with me and shared with me and was leading, you know, sharing the gospel with me. But um, he, he was such a new believer. I said, okay, I don't want to go. To, I want to get saved. He was like, well, you got to wait till Sunday and go to church. And I went to church with him that Sunday. And I went to Calvary South Bay at a night service. And afterwards, I, I you know, I, I wanted to go talk to a pastor. I want to make sure I was saved. So I'm like, I'm going to go forward. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to go talk to the guy in the back. And I went back there and I wish I knew the guy. I never know who he was. I can't remember his name or, even, you know, any of those things. But I remember what he told me. I said, you know, I told him, I said, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know I'm saved. And I said, so I'm going to just give you my life. I said, um, you know, I, I drink every day. I sell weed. I live with a girl. You know, I know it's probably not right. You know, my mom, because my mom would tell me, you shacked up, you know. Um, I, anyway, just, so I, I just told him all my life, this is everything I got going on. So what, I'm, what do I need to do? And he like took a deep breath and he said, all right. He said, um, he gave me a little mini sermonette on counting the cost. You know, he says, is, is any of that stuff you love so much? That, that you wouldn't let it go. And I'm like, no, I said, just, I don't, I mean, I want to know what things, can I still drink a little bit? You know, can I turn in my 44 tall can? You know, can I, can I reduce it? You know, and, um, and he just walked me through. He said, you know, some of those things God's going to help you with over time, but it's a decision that you need to make now. Are you willing to turn from those things? And I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to turn from that. I'm willing to, you know, try to find a job. And one big piece was, he said, the girl that you're living with, he said, is, is that somebody that you would marry? I'm like, no, we hate each other. <laughs> we just got a baby. Together. I mean, that was the truth. We, we hate each other. I couldn't stand her. She couldn't stand me. I was cheating on her. She probably was cheating on me. It was just, we had a baby. And he said, then, and I said, now nah, I'm giving my life to the Lord. She, she's she not interested in this at all. He said, okay, well then, are you willing to break that off? I was like, 
the challenge was not really letting her go, it was letting her in because she was going to take my baby with her, you know. But I'm like, if that's what I need to do. And I remember going home that day and um, he prayed with me and I was, I, was, I was committed. So I went home and I'm like, hey, I got saved and my life to God. Uh, I'm not going to have sex with you no more. Um, we're going to get rid of this apartment so you can move out or I can move out. And I won't share everything that happened, but, it, you know, the police had to come. You know, I got stuff thrown at me, <laughs> you know. And, but by the end of that day, I was there in that apartment in Hawthorne alone, no longer in that particular sin. That was the beginning of God, you know, just beginning to work, you know. And I look back to that and I look back and I'm glad. I, I think if I had went home that day and just continued going on, if the guy hadn't highlighted for me that, you know, that's not OK for you to continue to live like that then I would have continued to live like that. And I don't know, I, it, it probably wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had a good start. But the start to my walk with God was kind of radical and it needed to be because I needed a lot of help. And I believe God had a plan for my life that didn't include a lot of what I was previously doing. So to some of you guys, God has a plan for your life and it doesn't include some of the things that you're clinging to right now. Some of you already know that you're clinging to things in sin. You're clinging to them in rebellion for whatever reason. You know, for me, it was because because it was, it was my daughter, you know, and I just want to lose my daughter. But at the end of the day, um, God was I'm, I'm, I'm coming to save you. I'm drawing you to myself. I got to trust God with all the rest of the outcome of all the stuff I created in my life when I wasn't saved. I got to let God have that. Lord, you're in charge. And I'm I'm, I'm 20 years in. You guys, I got saved in 1995. And I, I, can, I can say this, I can testify, I don't regret for a second. Whatever, though the things that were so difficult, letting go of and all of that then, I'm so glad that I didn't cling to them. I'm so glad. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful, deeply, deeply thankful that that's just the past and that the things that God is doing now are the things he's doing now. I met my wife two months later because God is gracious and God knew I was going to be bad single and he gave me hope. <laughs> I'm just, that's probably the case. I think, you know, I think I got a wife right away because I had some issues and God was like, let me give you hope. I'm going to give, he brought me a woman that was like, you know, don't come at me like that. You know, Mika was different. Mika, I met, you know, I met a lot of girls that were like, I don't do, I don't get down. But she was like, if you even come at me like that, we can't be friends. And it was like, really? <laughs> she meant that. So I was like, I like her. Woo you know, <laughs> I'm interested, you know, and, and, Probably her, she wasn't sure that I was really saved. So she kind of kept me at a little bit of a distance, even though I knew she liked me. So I'm like, but you like me though, because you calling me back. But she keeps me at a distance. Like, you know, not she's not giving her heart away yet. So I'm like, so I'm constantly having to show her I am saved. Like, you, you, do you see me in this book? You gotta memorize a whole verse, doggone it. You know, so all of that as I look back was God just saying, you know, there, he, he's so gracious, you guys. God's not mean. And you may do some difficult things, right, to remove yourself from sin that's preventing God from doing what he wants to do in your life. But this is the thing that I realized. I didn't get to experience what God would do while continuing to do the old stuff. It wasn't until I let go of that stuff that God showed me what he would do. And so for you guys that are here today, that's a struggle and a battle, right? I'm, I'm encouraging you today in the love of Christ that you would, today would be for you a day where you would repent. Right, you make the decision today, God, I'm going to let this go. And I'm, I'm going to need your help. But I'm going to let this go that I might begin to walk in a way that you want. That I might get to experience what you do have. So you wouldn't be dragging along for another year what he doesn't have for you. Because some of y'all are clenching on to something that he does not have for you. 
Um, and so you can't, guys, I can't bring you what I have for you like that. If I had met my wife, if I had hung on two months too long to, to the girl I was with, and I'd have met Mika, that would have been a no-go. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This book addresses the idea of confronting sin. Paul knew it was more important to hit the issue head on rather than skirt around it for the sake of being approved of by the majority. This is a hard thing to do when you know that tough issues will cause disruption in a church or even a breach in relationship. But what matters most, pleasing God or pleasing man? It's something to keep in mind as you continue to study this New Testament book. Can we encourage you as you strive to walk out a life of faith, even when it's unpopular? Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. We'd love to meet you. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You can even find links to stream our services if you're not able to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and may be hearing about Jesus for the first time? Pray that their hearts will be open to truth and change. Thanks for praying and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.